0: welcome to the ask a cycling coach podcast presented by trainer road and we are here in kona it's yeah hot. yeah it's really hot and humid uh, for us up in the dry desert and our guest is used to that dry either heat or cold too matt lieto
1: what's I up am. matt i am yeah it's uh, it's good to be here and uh good to be sweating for once yeah
0: and we have our head coach chad timmerman with us hey everybody and also our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello. And today, much like we talked about with the Cliff Bar team about crit racing, uh, Matt has had a long and successful career in triathlon. Thank you. Um, Yeah, really, really impressive stuff. I mean, everything from wildflower to all over the place. You've had success at a bunch of different races. The half here a few times, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Podium here at Honolulu a couple times, and raced on this course uh, as a pro for the Ironman as well. So yeah, been around.
0: Awesome. Yep. And the story that most people, or that you see a lot of the time with you, is about your weight loss that you had, um, and how that was a huge transformation for you, and how you ended up going from the guy that, in fact, I read you were trying to, to catch somebody to hand off water when they were in the run and they had already, of course, swam and biked and you were trying to catch them to give them water and you couldn't do it and you're like, that's enough, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there was a lot of things that kind of, you know... Uh got me to the point where I, I knew I needed to lose weight, but yeah, I was at mile like 20 of this race and a German pro, I can't remember who it was that was at the front was just like <laughs> was so panicked because I was running behind him trying to get, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I, I f- couldn't <laughs> catch him. Yeah, it, was, it was bad scene, but yeah, I think that race, I have a before picture from that and I, it's, yeah, yeah I it was 260 pounds and very, very hot that day. And, and how tall
2: are you? Uh, six, two. And how uh, much do you weigh now?
1: Uh, 170 pounds 170. and if you think of jonah hill in Superbad, that's <laughs> my doppelganger when i was overweight for sure so, exactly
0: so, so what's um what's your ftp uh usually when you're training and at peak fitness type of a deal uh
1: right now i haven't done a test in a bit but i'd say it's 380 between 375 and 380 holy smokes nice. yeah that's that's big what so what would you uh
2: what would like be your target power for a half
1: uh, for half
2: that's 56 miles for the non-traffic. Yeah. Rides.
1: Yeah, it's uh, 56 miles of uh, lonely pain. Yeah in, in most cases Yeah, it would be depending on the course, but it would probably be between uh, Where I am in my fitness in my season like 325 and 340. Mm-hmm. I think my mm-hmm. highest I saw was world champs in Vegas was 345
3: okay. Wow, and then what sort of marathon do you run?
1: Uh, in those it was a half marathon, and half you know marathon. the higher that that average watt was, the, sl- <laughs> the slower was the half run, was. Right. I think that race I ran like a one twenty-two, but generally I try to be between like one nineteen and one twenty. I'm not a fast runner, but I pride myself on being tough. That's I mean, fast. It, it, if yeah. well, yeah, it depends. <laughs> the guys I'm racing against can can run one ten and one eleven, but um, I pride myself in being the guy who can. I mean, I if I ran a straight half marathon, I'd probably run a one eighteen, but if hmm. I you know, house myself on a bike for, for two hours, I'd run pretty close to that. Still in
3: between the three disciplines, you're predominantly a cyclist.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I enjoy the most. I get the, I have the most passion for it, and I'm probably the most uh, successful there. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. Now you live in Bend, Oregon.
0: I do. Um, so, uh, that's at five thousand feet, roughly four thousand feet.
1: Uh, it's at like the town is thirty-one, I think. I think in my house is about four. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. And then most of your training is that up from there or at that level?
1: Um, majority's probably there, and we go up a little bit. Uh, okay. I think our, you know, ride I do once a week might get up to fifty-five, something like that. But okay. yeah, we're not. We don't really get affected too much by the altitude,
0: right? Do you feel a boost when you come down to somewhere like here at Kona? Uh, Do you feel that? Like we, we just rode this morning on the half course, and and I was just loving the fact that my heart rate was going higher, Mm -hmm. and I was feeling
2: easy. And not only do you feel the boost, but do you like adjust your pacing, like your target power, or? Answer that question first. I got a bunch of other questions about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I do notice a boost. It's hard too because I think you guys have similar, you know, weather and temps as to what <laughs> we do. haven't Very. been. So, like today out running, I'm running fa- like my body just moves better when it's hot, even though I don't like being overheated, and it's easy to overheat if I do a hour run. It instead of running easy, it just feels easier to run tempo, and you're going a little bit faster and getting a lot of positive feedback. But yeah. On the bike. I mean, the last year I felt like I was running, riding, you know, at the top level of the sport, I was out here doing, um, a lot of my training I was here for five weeks and I'll, I'll never hit those numbers again. For sure. I definitely have higher, higher numbers here. Right right.
2: Now. So let's, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. And one thing we haven't mentioned too, is you are an announcer for Ironman. All day long which is its own event <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah right you train for that? <laughs> yeah it's a, what's it's your a, speaking FTP?
1: it's a tough one yeah it's a lot unfortunately um <laughs> uh, i'm actually kind of a shy guy at heart but somehow I, I kind of found my way into uh into that that gig and it's a fun one i don't actually do the announcing i do the the color commentary for the live coverage um on Iron Man live and ironman.com and uh you know it's 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 a good deal you know i started out the sport you know we were talking about my fat story in the beginning, and. You know, I started out this this sport as a a, a spectator and a support for my brother, and I did that for a bunch of years and was always out on course. And I'm a fan first, and, you know, I love to see other people try to achieve their goals and, and watch that stuff happen. And, and I'm able to do that now in an official role and have you know, the best access on the yeah. planet. I mean, that's I I've awesome. get a boat now. I'm out on the swim, and, you know, I'll be watching close buddies from 10 feet, like trying to hang on to so the group. Cool. And, yeah, it's a pretty, awesome. pretty so, cool, that's cool
2: deal. Let's. Uh, I want to get into the actually like racing and stuff and power, but first, I think one thing we have we concentrate too is we do what's called a DEXA scan. If you remember familiar with that,
1: I'm not. No. It,
2: it, it's but don't do it,
0: It'll make you self conscious and hate yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's the gold yeah. standard for body fat percentage. So we do one. it like every two months. <laughs> you
1: don't say that to a uh, former fat guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I guess so oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, with DEXA, I'm I look. For, <laughs> This is a, you look I'm, good, you look good. Thank you. I am <laughs> self-conscious though. So out of us, I have the highest body fat. And yeah. with Scan, I'm 15.6% body fat. Fat calipers, I'm like 8%. Oh, wow. But so DEXA, because it gets intermuscular fat and never subcutaneous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never So we all have. If you don't have a complex, it will give you one. <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah, exactly. So I'm, everyone who hasn't seen me, I'm like the fat guy on the podcast. <laughs> but recently we, we lost some weight. So we, we, we talk about weight, and weight is so important to cyclists. How did you go from, you said 260 yeah. down to 170s?
1: Yeah. And I'll get, I'll get crap. Cause I, my, my brother always says it goes up like two pounds every time I do yeah. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, <25 laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean that I was, I was squeezing into 38's, uh pants size. I actually had like a safety pin holding my, my pants up. Um, so I, I definitely had some weight on me, but that was kind of a, a random weight loss a lot of things came together. I came to this race and it was inspired when my, my brother raced and, inspired by the race, but more inspired by kind of the attitude of everybody and like the vibe mm-hmm. of what oh, yeah. I mean you guys have experienced it's kinda of nuts, right? Uh, there's yeah. a bunch of super fit I mean, like I feel like the fattest man on no, the planet. I just, yeah. Now I know that it, you're fifteen percent, I know yeah, you're exactly. the fattest man. <laughs> right, on the whole island. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you really do look good. You look good. Um, thank you. He's a you kind man come back. <laughs> yeah, right. Um but uh yeah, I mean it it was it was a process of being inspired and I went home and changed my diet completely I had a, a buddy told me uh, something about eating like a king for breakfast a prince for lunch and a popper for dinner and what that means is kind of you know uh, a simple way of saying give yourself energy and food when it needs it yeah. give your body it when it needs it and kind of maybe don't put food in your mouth when your body's not going to use it and that was kind of the basis of it drink a bunch of water um, funny enough, I actually lost all my weight skateboarding. They built a skate really? park. Yeah. They built a skate park in Flagstaff where I went to school and skated five hours a day and, um, lost whatever, 75 pounds in four and a half months. Jeez. But, wow. but it's, it makes sense. Like it's weird, but four and a half months. it was really quick. Whoa. Yeah. It was gnarly. It was, it was pretty quick. Like, like I felt like your pants went really quickly and yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. But it, it was an activity that I woke up in the morning wanting to do mm-hmm. And I went out and loved every minute of it and didn't want to stop. And it was aerobic activity. And I think it's, you know, I now think it's really easy to lose weight because I had that experience mm-hmm. and I'd tried my whole life to lose weight up to then, but never could. Um, but I think it was the key of finding something that you really enjoy doing and don't feel like you're forced to. I mean, how many times I like tried to go on a diet or tried to go lift weights or whatever. Yep, you get
3: on a did. treadmill and Totally, that's it not out. fun.
1: You're not going to do that. So whether it's hiking or whatever it is, but for me it was skateboarding and yeah it was a pretty dramatic change like super quickly
2: and then also the change in eating oh absolutely. was there a big change
1: yeah 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 so that that prince or uh, king prince popper thing i also uh walked around with a, a nalgene bottle now it's a hydroflask but I'd walk around with that and every time i was hungry i just drink 32 ounces of water. And what
3: was the composition of your meals? I mean, did you take anything out in particular? I should? did,
1: actually. I, I did take, I did take, uh, I was like, back then, I called myself a vegetarian, but I think I still ate like chicken and fish or something. I don't know. like veggies. Kind of ones, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was mostly vegetables. I didn't, I took away uh, anything that came out of a box. Um, and I think. So processed so, foods. Yeah, I think I got kind of lucky in the fact, like, what I decided I wanted to do. Like, I didn't do research. I was just like. I, like I kind of, when I need to lose weight. I need to be restrictive. I don't. Yeah. I can't control myself in any other manner. Like you won't see any snacks in this room right now. There's some papayas in the fridge, but that's sure. about it. So yeah, we talked if, about that. If I see some bread. Deep. Yeah, yeah. There's some bread. There's or some peanut butter and some bread. Matt's hotel room. <laughs> <Yeah. in case. laughs> what else do you see? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, don't tell them. That,
0: That's a key thing, though. It's in, and another thing that you read that this resonates with me. Um, I I I'm, I don't fluctuate a whole lot in weight. It's like five pounds, but I try to. To really get those five pounds off. And it's really hard to get that extra edge off for race season when I yeah. really want to peak. Yeah. But one thing I do is, and my wife's name, it literally is Sarah Lee. My last name okay. is Lee and her name is Sarah. That's like, true. And she's an incredible baker, yeah. just like we'll get, we're going to take over the company someday. Yeah. But um, she's an incredible baker. And there's a rule in our house that if she's baking, then it doesn't get test, taste tested by me and it doesn't stay in the house. Like if she's baking, it's for somebody else. Like if I leave anything in my house, I know you said that if I have sweets there, I, my mind is on those all the time. Is there a certain way that you get around that or do you just get rid of them
1: like that? Uh, I kind of just don't have them in the house. And if I do, I know that like, I have to be okay with the fact that I'm going to have a, you know, a a head conversation where I'm just going to eat it all.
3: But you're not getting super scientific about it. You're not hitting the books. You're just eating what makes sense.
1: Uh, Kind of. now yeah, or, sure.
3: or in the process of the 75 pound yeah
1: in the process yeah it was just kind of things that made sense yeah. to, to kind of get rid of and I, I didn't really know that about myself as far as not being able to um, you know, control myself to, to that extent. But yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, once you get the metabolism rolling, I mean, I mean, do the math on how many pounds a week I was losing. Like, yeah, was, it's, it's a, a lot. It's like a cause
2: 3,500 calorie deficit for every pound of fat you lost. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a lot, it's a, it's a lot. ton. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, and I was exercising a bunch too. You must be
2: a great skateboarder. <laughs>
1: um, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I wasn't getting off the ground a lot cause I was yeah. still heavy when I started, but, uh, you know, I haven't skate skated really since. Uh, probably two years after that whole episode, but I'd like to get back out there. Yeah.
2: One thing I think was interesting. I was reading that you said, you know, there's so many triathletes that have just ripped abs and your abs weren't as ripped. And I think a lot of people don't know this is that fat cells never go away. Like when you become a former fat person, they will get bigger and then they'll divide, but then they won't, they'll shrink, but they'll never fully go away. So, once you're, unless you get, like, liposuction or surgery.
1: See, this is great, because I tell people that all the time, and I kind of thought that I just made that up. <laughs> you
2: did not make that up. <laughs> okay, I learned true. that in college. It's true, yeah. 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 No, it's super
1: true. And, yeah. I mean, I kind of I take pride in the fact that I'll, I'm, like, the only guy that crosses the finish line, like, as fast as I do with a little belly. Like, yeah. there's there's no six-pack. Every once in a while, you see, like, a, the couple on the top. But besides <laughs> yeah. that, that's, they like, like, out four that yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. But, yeah, no, I mean, and it's the the zones where I was most fat, right? Like, at the very end of the summer, I'll get rid of my saddlebags. But right now I'm pinching, you know, you know, my little love handles. You, yeah. can, you can take we, a look. Can it? Yeah, But it all stays in the same area, which is one reason I never do the caliper test. Cause I'm like, yeah. that's, the, that's
2: the zone, right? That's one
0: thing with calipers. Like they have specific zones and different people pinch different zones, but yeah. y- different people accumulate fat differently.
2: Yeah. But with the DEXA test, it actually shows you like arms versus torso versus legs. Yeah, oh, I should do the DEXA And test. I keep more- It's pretty interesting. I have really low fat in my arms and yeah. i have bigger body fat in my actually my legs. Oh and you can kind
3: of follow yeah. those changes too. So as you start, you know, riding more, you see you might be adding a little muscle mass to your legs Yeah, your body's kind of withering. So, yeah. so I, the cool I, thing I was, is like
2: yeah. i lost some weight, like forget how many pounds i lost, but i DEXA scan told me i lost 8 pounds of fat but i gained 4 pounds of muscle. Oh, okay. So mentally i'd be like, oh i only lost 4 pounds, totally. but i was like it was like a huge win in my brain to lose eight pounds of fat and four four, four pounds of muscle yeah Yeah, for sure right
0: yeah well let's get off of let's get off of fat weight
2: (laughs) loss all that stuff i want to talk about like actual racing and like kind of the stuff being a pro like what the the kind of things that you do so one thing that i want to know about is a week before and right before a race how do you feel like? Like a week right, one week before a big race that you're trying to peak. Do you feel awful, or are you, you know what I mean? Like That's so funny. No, I was, every day your body changes.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I uh, swam out to uh, halfway out the course today with a uh, good buddy Luke McKenzie who's racing, and uh, we had this conversation just as we were sitting for like 30 seconds in between and because I asked him how he was. He's like, you know, sometimes you like you feel like crap, and you're like, no, you're supposed to feel like crap. Like you walk up the stairs, you're like, God, my legs hurt. I'm gonna race, awesome. And then right. some 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 races. Your legs will feel great, and you're like, "Do my legs feel too good?" And so I think it's different in yeah. different races. And a lot of times, I will feel like I have a little bit of, of load in my legs, and and I'll feel tired. I think uh, it depends on the race. I feel like this race, you want I, I want to feel like I've got some snap in my legs. I want to definitely err on the side.
2: Like one week before, like if you sh- like if it was last Saturday, yeah, should your legs be a little bit tired? Are your is your body a little depressed? Like well, do you want to go to better? A week race? before. How long do you taper for something like this?
1: I don't like a big taper. So like, I think to answer your question, you yeah, probably pretty, a little, a little fatigued, um, at that last week. Like I'll still do, um, you know, for an Ironman, I'll still ride three, three and a half hours, uh, the Saturday or Sunday before, and probably still do a two, two and a half hour ride, um, in the middle of the week. So like my tapers, you know, for some Ironmans I've done like a three day drop taper. Um, but like I don't respond to if I had less than, seven hours of training a week or two weeks before I'd, I'd get pretty stale. What, yeah. what
3: do you commonly train over, over the course of a week? What's your typical training load? Uh,
1: anywhere, uh, I'm kind of lower volume than uh, a lot of my competitors, but probably between 22 and 25 hours a week. <sighs> That's okay. low yeah, <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> I mean, depressing that's, and I'm yeah, no no, no I'd say yeah. it's yeah. a lot that's yeah. a lot yeah. no I know it, that's what I mean it's depressing that <laughs> yeah, yeah. my competitors are training a lot more yeah, like that's uh, crazy. They, they train more than that well, and, do. but
3: it brings up a good point I mean is it necessary to train that much because if you can do it on 25 hours who's to say they totally. couldn't
1: and right? I think the, the, the older I get the more I think I respond to higher mm-hmm. efforts and more rests mm-hmm. and yeah. I've had good success Perfect doing sense. that in the past but I think like next year I'm going to restrict myself to I think fifteen hours a week just to do some other stuff. But I imagine I'll actually probably it would be, It'll be fun to follow up with you
2: after that yeah. or yeah. at the end of that season. Yeah. Well so there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that are especially at a race like this. Yeah. So what do you do? Like how do you avoid that? Because I could see especially just walking around Kona, it is incredibly hot and humid. There's so many athletes we,
0: and there's so many athletes that we see that are out walking around checking out the sites. I mean you can't suck all the fun out of it, but so what do I, you do
2: But if it's your job though as a yeah. pro.
1: Oh, as a pro, yeah. it's a different. Like, what you, I just sit you, in your room. Yeah, you probably haven't seen a bunch of pros walking around. No, uh, really? Yeah, there's a bunch of sitting in your room. Um, I mean, I like to. Mm-hmm bring a bunch of movies or make sure I've got some, some stuff downloaded and uh, kind of movie week, uh, the re- week before the race. But especially this race, there's more like sponsor obligations. That's mostly mm-hmm. what the, the pros are going to have to deal with. And the ones that have done it for a long time or the ones that, you know, are a little more self-confident will tell their sponsors, you know what I'm done after Tuesday. And like most people that I know don't do anything after Wednesday, like midday. <laughs> um, but you could try to restrict yourself. And like, I have a couple clients here racing and, I'm like, man, go enjoy the expo. Like that's part of the deal. But like, like do that Tuesday, like early chill Uh out. And like, yeah, you're going to have to go for a drive and do something with your significant other that, you know, is supporting
2: you. Um,
1: Yeah, totally. For sure. But, um, you know, try not to, to be on your feet too much and, and sweating.
2: What do you do to eat then? So like you're normally as a triathlete, even though your weight loss, 22 hours a week you're probably eating a ton of food mm-hmm. and then you're reducing that on the taper plus you're at a hotel like you can't get your normal food Totally. so what do you what do you do do you bring something do you have support do you so right now we're in a hotel but do other pros like rent a house and have somebody help them with the food or
1: yeah I mean I think I think it's most, a lot of energy yeah it is for sure and I think most pros will do a condo of some sort the hotel's not that adds a stress, um, mm-hmm. undoubtedly, uh, there, there, are a couple of cool shops around here where you can get like prepared food and that sort of thing, but you want to be able to eat when you're, um, when you're hungry. And I think, you know, a lot of triathletes maybe put more food in their belly a couple of days before the race and they're supposed to, but you know, if that's how you deal with being stressed out, that's fine too. But, um, yeah, I don't think, pro is a little behind some of the other sports. So there's no like, you know, chefs or anything yeah. like that, but, you don't uh, have the
2: sky bus out there. No, <laughs> no,
1: no, I haven't yeah. seen the sky bus yet, but <laughs> if, I, if, if I do, I'll be knocking on its door. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've, you've got to come prepared. And for me, you know, I'm a celiac, so I have like my own, uh, issues I have to deal with. And so whenever race I go to, I like, I pack a carry on or a bag full of the stuff I know I need. And it, it's way easier than it used to be, but you know, five years ago, I would have a 15-pound bag of food that I had to carry. Wow. With me.
2: What about so now? Talking about food a little bit more, the day before the race yep. and the morning of, do you do any? Do you change your diet like more carbs the day before the race, and then what's your what do you do morning of?
1: Um, I do a, a little bit, a little bit more carbs. I try to do the carb thing like two days out, and then try to eat mostly normal the day before. Um, but I always have like pretzels or something with, uh, some good sodium and some like easy carbohydrates that I'm snacking on the day before the race. Um, so I, you know, have stuff to eat, but also, so I'm not like, I find I overhydrate too. Mm. So if I'm eating uh, something like that, I, I will tend not to overhydrate too much and be flushed out for the race. But, um, big carbohydrates is two days out. Day before How- is kind of normal, but
2: yeah. How do you know if you're overhydrated?
1: I just have like massive cramping issues in a lot of races, and the yeah. races where I haven't overdone hydration the day before the race, or the, the races where I tend to be okay. Interesting, <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm not like waking up in the middle of the night peeing. Yeah, doing that I've ride. done that as
2: a, I used to do triathlons a lot, but I would, you know, you just get so, as, especially triathletes. It's like oh yeah, for weirdos. Yeah, like I know I'm. I'm a weirdo, but I'd yeah. be like, oh, I need to drink all this stuff, and I'd be Gatorade. I'd like measure my salt and. Yeah, yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely. Interrupt
2: sleep and. Yeah,
1: there's definitely that, and I used to be a little bit more that way, but I've chilled out a little bit. But yeah, and like race day, I do, for an Ironman, I, I do pancakes, and I'll do pancakes with like you know some extra sodium in there, and I. Like, to what time? Uh, three hours before the race probably. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, load that thing up. I mean, you know, if you go for, if you're going out for a six hour bike ride, yeah. you know, if I have a big thing of pancakes or a big meal, like I feel like at the end of that ride, like I'm, I'm feeling good and I've got good energy. Right. So I make sure yeah. I'm doing that. There's a lot of, I mean, I think there's ways to maybe help your, set your digestion up a little bit better for Ironman. I know a lot of coaches have I know, a bunch of athletes that'll be here just eat or eat apple sauce. Is wow. the only thing they eat the day, of the race really? on race day. Yeah, wow. like a big-ass thing of applesauce. I'm like, dude, the, really? Like, this kind of sucks already. Like, the last thing I need to do is eat a big thing of applesauce. You know, I right. enjoy myself a little bit. So, um, you know, I think uh, you've, you've got to have things that you want to you eat and you want to enjoy, right?
2: I know Chrissy Wellington. She said you used to eat, like, an English muffin with some cream cheese on it. Someone's knocking at the door. Should we go get that?
1: It might be the housekeeping, I think, okay. the problem. Go on ahead. Let's yeah. get it. Let's see who it is.
2: Do you want any service or are you okay? It's housekeeping. We'll cut this out maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll cut it out, maybe we won't. it's authentic. <clears throat> so how do you do you like for the pancakes, do you just restaurants always have pancakes or do you like
1: no, you so I've got yourself. yeah, I've got the gluten free oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. so I, like I'll corn? usually um, it's like an almond flour, tapioca oh. thing. Usually um, the day before the race, I'll usually have that as maybe one of my <laughs> snacks uh. and kind of do the whole prep, so I'm not waking up at five o'clock. In yeah. morning. That's small how, m- yeah. huge, how many
2: calories do you think you have?
1: It's been a while since I've did, done it for an Ironman, but I want it's probably between 800 and 1,000 something like that. Okay. and yeah. one of the last times you guys are from Reno, so you probably are aware that Lake Tahoe Ironman oh, yeah. was canceled a couple mm-hmm. years That's ago. yeah, and that was my big. My big race two years ago—it was my whole season was around—and I went and, and did the Such event, a bummer. and it got canceled. But the biggest bummer was I'm like in the water. I'm like, dude, I ate 2,000 calories of pancakes. <laughs> yes. What? I'm like, going better start <laughs> I felt terrible. It was the worst thing ever. But um, yeah, I try to. I I I might overdo it more than some, but um, yeah, I want to enjoy myself. So, I so like the pancakes.
2: Talk about food enough. Let's switch to tactics on the bike because I think normally how age groupers do it is. At least how I used to do it. I wasn't ever at the front of the race, but I'd pick a power number and I'd just ride that power number, and I wouldn't care like the the. And you wouldn't just
0: randomly pick that. You would know no, more yeah. or less what was sustainable for. Yeah, a yeah, of time. in
2: training and stuff. But I wouldn't go with like the ebbs and flows of the race or try to be in a certain pack with people. Sure. But in the pros, I think it's different. And I know oh, yeah. there's supposed to be no drafting with the 10 meter rule. Yeah. And I know Specialized did um, something in their wind tunnel where they. They measured it, like, seven, and there was drafting then they extrapolated yeah, a bit it after it. that. Yeah, because they didn't have a big enough wind tunnel. Yeah, yeah, but did, someplace yeah. like this is so windy, which I think will, you know, if you're going to a headwind, it's got a... a-
1: yeah, I mean, there's not often a block headwind here. Right. Um, on the way back, there is. But on the way back, it's usually a little bit more broken up. out. But they yeah. do, I mean, i was been talking a lot of, about this in the last day, actually, people talking about wanting to change the rules or if the rules are fair. And I think the the that distance they say there might be like a eight or ten ten percent uh advantage for being behind um in a group like that but for 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 me and knowing as a pro when that happens you'll see guys riding legally and you'll see the guys in the back will be feathering their brakes mm-hmm. right and like uh-huh. if the if the the drafting rule is i think it's 12 from like front to back or something yeah like that. something weird and so if that athlete is feathering their brakes. They're probably going to 11 or 10 and then they're sitting up and then they're going back out to 12 and it's not still benefiting right there. They're still benefiting. But if you think about what's happening to power, so like all this stuff we're talking about, like, Oh, if you're sitting 12 meters, there's no advantage. But if I'm getting to that point where I'm getting to 11 or 10, which happens a lot during a race, the 15 seconds before I'm getting to that 10 meters and the 15 seconds I'm, I'm. 15 seconds after I'm out of that 10 meters back to 12, your watts are way down. So if we're talking like pedaling to pedaling, sure, maybe it's only 8, 8%, but if you're looking at normalized power and like real power and what's happening, it's, it's gotta be a huge effect. And you know, I, I was telling the guy I was talking to yesterday about it. Last time I did this race, or maybe it was two times ago, I was on the bike with Timo Brock, Norman Stadler, and like three other really strong guys. Norman's like one of the best cyclists yeah. ever done, done, done this race. And the, here the drafting rules are really easy to follow. Cause we have the pot dots, like the lower reflectors Yep. and that's the rule. So like, I know I can get exactly there and I'm, I'm looking at it. There's no guessing like, Oh, is this and those are marked meters? out in meters. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's easy. And that's why they made that rule, that distance to, to a certain extent, right? <laughs> it's easy to enforce. So I'm riding with these guys and i'm like Dude, i can't ride with these guys and like i'm a good cyclist and, and i feel like at times i can ride that well but i rode with those guys for 30 miles and i'm getting an advantage those times where it's up and down but the other times where you're getting more of a, a rest and sometimes it's you know there's tactics right so i'm not allowed to slot in so let's say i'm sitting behind timo norman's in front of him and he's sitting 12 meters if i find myself getting into that zone and realize i have to because if you get into the zone you can't exit out. Right? you have to pass if i want to pass i can't go in front of timo mm-hmm. because then i'm mm-hmm. eight mm-hmm. meters back and i've made timo in his brakes. so i'm now drafting until I, I go back right so i have to go all the way around you have
2: to pass everybody
1: pass everybody so that happened uh so somebody in front of me hit the brakes and i was like six in that group and the officials there and I, you know, ride legally anyways, um, all the time, but somebody who hit their brakes and I find myself having to go around, I'm like, oh man, oh, here we man. go. And I dude, I was know. dude, and I was like 420 Watts oh, and just crushed. And I'm like in these conditions and I know how long this race is and the class, so classic because I get all the way up to the front and the rule is once your front wheel breaks the plane of the front wheel, of the guy in front of you, he has to like go back. I get, like, an inch in front, and I look at Norman, and I'm down. like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I just, like, sit up, basically, because I was host. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we went from 28 miles an hour to 25 yeah. miles an hour, and he had to wait till he got oh, back. My God. And then oh, my but, but at that time, sorry, at <laughs> yeah, that no, time, I'm then, after that effort, I'm just slowly going back as everybody passes me. So it's not this... <laughs> Uh, you know, in a in a wind tunnel, this is the effect. There's like so much more to yeah. it, and that's why this race and in a lot of races where there's good competitors, tactics is hugely important. And people say tactics aren't important in triathlon, but like this race, they totally. This are. race is not a race of what. Can my best be on the day? For ninety-five percent of the pros, it's a race against your competitors. That's
0: I'm, interesting. Um, do you ever? Do you guys? So, in the mountain bike world, uh, we are just talking about this today. Something that we do: uh, we, we sabotage other guys whenever they're close on our wheel and we're in a technical section. Run into a rock. A yeah. thing that we do in the pro on, on, in the pro ranks is we, we feather our brakes or tap our brakes in an inopportune moment to yeah. stop their momentum. So sure. then that makes them get off. Do people do that in triathlon when, with the drafting situation, yeah, do they like, tap their brakes? What Norman was
2: like, I'm not going to let you get like, could he just put on some more Watts and then you are now going to get a penalty because you're in that zone for too long.
1: Yeah. So this, yeah.
2: Or do they punch you after the, like, would you go, yeah. So there's, like a
1: there's, there's kind of like an under honor? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of that. So I think anybody would say if he did that just for me, just trying to get around him, that would be a bad move. Um, but, and I've used it in the past and now it's like people say it's not a cool deal but like when there's guys <laughs> drafting on like back in the day it was a long time ago guy was drafting off me all race and finally an official came and whatever happens when the official comes you hear the official and then he goes to pass so he doesn't get called for a penalty and I just kept on the gas and he got yep. a penalty and for me I'm like okay this guy has deserved a penalty it. for two hours yeah, and he yeah. gets one but now I think there's people are maybe less stoked about that because it's you can't always be confident that You're making the right call in that situation. I felt did. But so there's not a lot of that, I think. uh, I mean, mountain bikers are just cutthroat, right? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. I mean, there's, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of, uh, we're just not riding in a close enough manner that you could really do that. And in most cases, if you did that, you'd know that the guy behind you is just going to coast and get a benefit.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: So would you guys like work together? So if, so you're, you're a good biker. Mm -hmm. Um, do the top guys, do you like, uh, trade off and be like, okay, now it's Matt's turn to pull for so long. Or is there an unwritten rule with that? Yeah. Or is just like the one guy? So track are
1: different. And like I said, I, I consider myself a cyclist and I do uh, a bunch of bike racing or a fair amount of bike racing. And, so I'm like the guy that's on the front, and after five minutes of like flicking my elbow, and yeah, like, why are you <laughs> flicking your elbow, bro? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means. Um, and so there's there's an understanding, and I think in the in the right group, there's definitely an understanding that like, dude, I'm not just gonna sit up here for two and a half hours and have you sit on there, but the. The rules are that they can do that. So if you, if I'm in a group of eight, I know there's going to be one or two that's just sitting on the back. Yeah. Um, so after time, there is like you know tactical guys will go on flyers or um, you know I'll wait till that that athlete maybe is stuck in a situation where he has to pass like i said and that that mm-hmm. are me over norman and as soon as he gets to the front i'm gone because i know he's worked harder than he has oh, the rest yeah. of the time yep. right so like there's tactics on ways to kind almost of like a counter attack people like yeah. they
0: were forced to attack so to speak because they had to go through and then at that point that's always the perfect time for to, sure to attack
1: or i've done the you know uh force guys off the back of the group yep get 40 meters make them scramble and back on. jump across type of thing
2: do you uh, ever like if someone's on there who's weaker when it when it goes uphill and the drafting benefit is less do you do you push a little bit harder so they get pushed out
1: yeah I mean you can do yeah you, you, it's all dependent on that on the athlete right um, a lot of times you know a lot of the you know in, in most of the racing we're racing really good athletes so for like a short period of time they can they can hang so I feel like it's it's more in a situation where there's been like a uh, and of uh, raising in, in, in a pace in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and climbing, for me, it would be my personal tactics are to go steady on the climb, and I'm really good at like kind of the crown of a hill, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll push it kind of uh, at the top you, and over the, the backside.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, how do you take... We were just, just, talking, just talking about, about today yeah. as we were crowning, yeah. because there are so many rollers here in Kona, way more than we thought, like yeah. after you ride it. So what? Are, how do you take... A crown like that. Are you looking at your power, or are you like? And something,
0: it? something interesting on this, really quick, because I think yeah. this will provide either a similarity or a total contrast. So Todd Wells, pro mountain biker, one of the best in the and really in, in the U.S. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, when you see uh, last year at national championships, i remember being behind Todd in practice. People, let's not get carried away. <laughs> yeah. uh, behind him, and he was on a flyer. He was going hard, and he passed me up this climb. And we get close to the top. And he's on a one-by, right? So he's got plenty of gears, easy to grab him. He shifted like six times. Yeah. Right over the top. Yeah. And he just put out a massive amount of power, but then after that, he was able to ease off. Yeah. And I've seen Howard Grotz do the same thing, Steven Ettinger, all these mountain bike guys. And and granted, their power profile is very like or stochotic, like the whole way through. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's what they're doing there is they're looking at every foot of that race. And they're trying to think of, you know, in terms of how much speed am I carrying for every foot on this race? Like trying to maximize that. So, so they shift up like crazy. They have a spike of power output, but what do you do?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that your last point is really important and I tell triathletes this all the time because I mean, I think, you know, i raced before power was a big deal. I was, you know, I, I think I've probably been on power for like 10 or 12 years now. So have used it a lot, but it's we all get lost, and it's like everybody asks about this number. I'm like, no, it's not the number. The goal is for you to move yourself as quickly across the course as you possibly can. And in a time trial, you know, it's similar to mountain biking because you know it's a solo effort to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You have to try to maintain that speed as much as you can. So, like, looking at a number and trying to hold that number is a pretty poor way to uh, address a course, right? Mm-hmm. So, for me, and I actually prefer and try to pick uh, courses where uh, there's going to be a bigger difference between a normalized average and an average because I tend to do well at, at, at holding momentum and putting power at the right spot.
0: So it's usually a climbing course or one with really gusty winds or, rollers. or technical.
1: Rollers, climbing. Rollers are good for that. And rollers usually you can get away from groups maybe a little bit better. Of mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. course, near you guys, Vine Man is one of my favorite yeah. courses. Had, had some yeah. good rides there. But uh, Hill's kind of the same way. But um, just changing in power. And I think, yeah, I think you... I generally try to go into a hill with a good amount of speed and I'll, I'll even spike my power before I hit the bottom of the hill. So we can kind of gain some momentum Mm -hmm. once you're into it and then, and settle. So you're not starting that climb too quickly. Um, and then, yeah, when you get to the top, it's, I mean, it's diminishing returns, right? Like it's great going super fast on a downhill, but you know, I could be, you know, pedaling and putting out 200 Watts going 42 miles an hour. I could be pushing 350 watts and going 43 miles an hour right and be really tired for when the next hill comes so i can't do the same thing so as soon as i get up to that uh get to the top of the hill i'll usually go pretty hard to get up to top speed and then maybe coast for a second but then just get the rpms up and keep that momentum makes sense
2: how hard is pretty hard
1: uh yeah i mean it depends on on the course and what i did on the climb but i'll usually generally probably hold the power that i held on the top of the climb for a bit
2: on the descent so yeah, that's when no one does that right, right people yeah. go i'm at the top thank god, god right yeah no dude and like yeah. every
1: time i break away especially in ironman it's much easier half it's harder because guys are there's more to play with but um you know i'll i'll just keep the pressure on on the top of a hill and you know on a climb i'll probably go up to 350 watts 340 watts and over the top and down i'll hold that for a little bit and then once you get a gap holding that speed isn't hard and I'm pretty good at going downhill cuz yeah. I ride har- high RPMs and and weigh a fair bit so that's so
2: key for all the racers like it just in general mm-hmm. and then as you so as you crest that hill and you start going downhill again your as you said your power is not going to affect your speed as much because you're going to start you know uh hitting wind resistance yeah. so the the best time is on the climb and then that flat part is where people they think the climb's Everyone over. Everyone eases up, yeah. You're like, like, and you're in the wrong gearing, yep. totally. right? yeah. Right, And And uh, you're just not. It's a. I think a lot of it's mental
0: totally for sure. like when we crest that climb, we don't see a climb in front of us anymore, Yeah. but we are very good at like giving ourselves that snickers, so to speak for that effort. Like good yeah. job. Good you made job. it yeah. up the yeah. hill. Yeah. You can relax now. And yeah. th- and that that's slow. Yeah. Right.
1: That's sure. not
3: the fastest way to do it. Sure. And then Matt, you say you're a high RPM rider. What, what is that for you?
1: Um, so like good races I've had, like on this course, uh, I've had good bike splits and I believe I was 98 one year and like 101 the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, studies are showing now maybe that should drop it down a little bit, but I've always performed well over high yeah, RPMs. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. If it works. Yeah, no yeah. so yeah, doubt.
2: For pro mind games, I remember a few years ago, Macca was like on wherever he was, but he was talking about, all you bikers, you know, we need to go really hard, right? And he's a runner, but he wanted to yeah. get a gap on Crow. Yeah, he
1: could ride a bike pretty well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But he wanted
2: yeah. he also wanted help, right? Yeah. So in the pros, um, the, there's some guys... Your brother being an exception one year, who just they do really well on the bike, yeah, right. And then you you almost know they're not going to run very well, yeah. But sometimes they'll give a a ride, yeah, to a good runner, right? Like,
1: uh yeah, I mean, not intentionally, probably. Yeah, and in so some th- that's cases, my question: it, there's, is, there's, does it happen intentionally ever? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, somebody was talking about that last week that Mecca had somebody that was like working for him, but yeah. on this stage, I don't really see that happening. I see p- people that have. Uh, goals that are you know similar, um, where maybe that guy's going to ride that pace anyways, and he knows that if Mac is two minutes off behind the bike, uh, he's going to outrun him anyways. So might as well tow him along and get yeah. turns, you know? Because yeah. uh, turn. was a strong cyclist. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, depending, we don't get too much in this. <laughs> <laughs> Go off tangent here, but um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you've got to play your card, right? And people you know, would say that my brother would, you know, tired himself out and some you know didn't run well because he rode too hard. And yeah, he rode hard, but he was in the lead till mile twenty two of the race one year. And even Chris, like the year after that, he's like, because he run well and in training he runs really fast. Like, well, maybe I should sit in the group. I'm like, do you think if you get off the bike ride in the group, you're ever gonna be the lead at mile yeah, twenty one? Or- no, man, yeah. you're not gonna get in that lead again. So it's like it's a it's a it's a poker match and it's you know, if you've got a big enough lead where those guys give up at any moment then, you know, the race is yours and you can kind of hold back a little bit. And I think we saw that with Sebastian Keenley a few years ago. He got a huge gap mm. coming off the bike. And then for the first 10K, he outran everybody. Yeah. Ran super freaking hard. I remember
2: watching that. everyone's like flipping out on forums and stuff. <laughs> yeah. like-
1: totally. And I was flipping out calling it. And then he he just kind of put the dagger in. And those guys kind of were like, okay, we're fine for second. And, I mean, dude, that last eight miles, he was a hurting unit. Yeah, But yeah. he knew that that's kind of where he had to put himself.
2: For people who don't know, your brother is Chris Lieto. Yep. Um, his best at Kona is a second-place finish where I think he lost by two minutes. Is that right? Yeah, I,
1: two or just under two. Yeah, Crowe yeah. finished
2: him. I watched that live, and I was so I was so rooting for your brother. Yeah, yeah. Because it was yeah. so awesome as to see a cyclist. Norman Stadler has done that, too, where you, quote, win it on the bike. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So your brother, can you describe? He he's done it, this tactic a few years where I've seen it, where he on the way back from Javi, he would kind of push it. Is that right? Like, yeah, I would say kind of push. It's probably it. an understatement. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. why would he do it there? And that's that's I'm curious about that.
1: Well, I mean, I think, and that was over a lot of years, and that was you know it was a lot of feedback from his friends and from me and some other people it's like man you get a ride to a certain extent with that group and to to get away from i remember a year before he was second he went off the front of the group like 15 miles in or 10 miles in and we had talked about being patient and we're just yelling at him just like people think we're cheering for we're like dude get back in the freaking group like there's no reason to go because you've got to save energy to save energy yeah. and like you, you know you're you're gonna be pushing a lot more watts at the front trying to get away in this yeah. in the zone where everybody can ride it's just we were saying the wind too like if you're if it's good wind in the beginning which it often is you're going 30 32 miles an hour you know you trying to go 33 and a half miles an hour to get away from a group doesn't make as much sense as waiting till javi
2: mm-hmm. or then on,
1: on the way back and i think what what, you, what your point probably is is you think coming down from javi you're going high speed as well, so that's yeah, exactly. not the right part to yeah. do
2: I, I remember, so sorry to interrupt you, but I remember the, the guys on the, the camera, they'd look down at their motorbike and it'd be like, we're going 45 right now. And yeah. he would just be jamming it as hard as he could. And I was like, you got to be overcoming wind resistance there.
1: Yeah, but that's, that's where, yeah, I mean. Or is it a tailwind? Da- down from, is not a tailwind. Yeah. I mean, there, there are times where it's a tailwind, but it changes a lot. And you're very close to being spun out a lot on that zone um and for specifics chris the year he was second was did not leave the group and i was in that race so i watched it happen from an interesting perspective um he left the group at the top of heavy and had 12 minutes on crowley by the time it was done wow and that's like 45 miles left massive
3: so it was in fact an effective strategy it were it panned out
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he was tired. But I think, you know, that that was the move he had to make. And the next year he did something similar, but wasn't given as big of a leash. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, we talk about about being a cyclist and Chris was a cyclist and he could ride those high RPMs. And that's just a spot in the course where if you're going up Javi and it's a 20 mile headwind and you're going eight miles an hour someone that's really strong and really fit is probably gonna be able to stay with you. Mm -hmm. But the only part of this course that has anything to do with like skill or Uh, tactics is that zone. And totally is you get away Confirmed
0: that this morning. It's, it's funny. A lot of, especially cyclists, you'd look at it and you'd be like, look at how wide and straight the road is. It's not much, but there are a lot of nuances about how you use wind, how you, or I should say, how, uh, how you let the wind affect you and how you handle it when it hits you and how you approach the rollers. Like we just talked about keys to maintain your momentum. Yeah. And while it may not be technical in the sense that it's like a mountain road that's turning down super sure. tight, it's very technical yes. in how you maintain your pace and what you're doing on the bike and everything else. Dude, And
1: talking with some other guys, uh, that don't do as well coming down from Javi, and I think Chris, I think the biggest gear. I would race with a 55 on that. I think he was able to do it with a 54, 11, um, and now we can get 10. So people have like the gear to be able to do it. But a lot of guys think, oh, just I'm spun out. So they'll be like, they'll coast for a little bit. Mm. But what we don't realize is that it's, that course is so undulating that if you don't have the skill or the gear to be able to be spinning, you're going to miss these little micro doses of when you could be putting good power down on the pedal, yep. right? And, and yes, normally you wouldn't say on a descent you want to be touching 300 watts, but that's where the freaking race goes. Yeah, that's and not a
3: strict descent either; it rolls.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. it totally rolls, yeah. and that's the other thing. And I've I was telling you guys earlier that I had a race on the same course at Honeo 70.3, and got a lot of time with my competitors in the same zone because I've I can descend that quickly. Yeah. But then you hit these little climbs that are two or three minutes, and if you have if you're working it of you know finding that balance of riding low RPM or low. Uh, watts at higher pms and then yeah yeah, and then hitting uh, those climbs at 400 420 watts getting over them and getting back up to speed you know that gap opens and the other thing to that should be spoken about here in Kona is that it's super wind dependent and the wind will change in and out of the group and there was one year where I was I'm always tell the story how I, how far I was behind the group, but I think I was eight minutes behind the group at the turn from kawaii back on the Queen K, and mean the other athlete were riding very very strong. I, I can't remember what the watts were at that point, but you know, fading from the beginning, but riding hard into a block headwind going like 18 miles an hour on a flat piece of road. And after the race, and I, I think that was the year Chris got away. And after the race, I was like, dude, it's nuts, like. I can't believe how hard that wind was on that. He's like, dude, I was going forty-five miles an hour there,
2: uh, screaming right. tailwind, and he was it nine, 10 minutes constantly. in front. Of him. I, I, it gets worse during the day here at Kona, right? Like, like but, but later in, the, on, in
1: that, in the morning, and like when the year Norman had a huge lead off the bike, like there's a single athlete that's five minutes off in front of a group of twenty athletes could experience completely
2: different uh, wind.
0: Yeah, so, you know something it, interesting that we talked about this morning too when we were riding the course is, uh, and it's something that 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 um, I've always made a habit of is, I watch the trees and I watch the grass mm-hmm. and and even today we're with Kona you're you've got water to you one side the, the whole yep. time right yeah and you can see how the wind is coming down around different areas you can plan that out and see okay it looks like up the road if it's you know a two Ks up the road it looks like the wind looking out at the ocean is starting to die down there there's kind of like a zone that we're in right now that's windy yeah or vice versa. Uh, another thing too is watching that grass on the side of the road or watching the trees or the bushes around you if you look at that you're able to understand exactly when that wind's gonna hit or, sure. or what it's gonna do. We got yeah.
2: the biggest gust I've ever felt. Like it was just like constant wind and then kaboom. Yeah. And we saw it come in the grass. Yeah. 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 We did. Ahead. We did. It was.
3: I mean, the grass was still, and then there was just this little corridor where it was whipping. Yeah. And I went from one side of the you know foot long or foot wide rumble strips to the other side just yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And you know, if you're so, grabbing I'm, a drink right then. Well,
1: and there's, well, there's that zones. There's zones on the way back from Havi. You'll notice kind of the bluffs off the side of the road, yeah. and that affects the wind burst a lot because you're. Just getting to experience yeah. the road, and oh, yeah. I mean the one year. You know, I'm talking about being aggressive, coming down Javi. Generally, I'm riding as hard as I can. The guys ride as hard as you can in your aero bars. Did a one year where only a few guys went under five hours. Year Norman won, and I was coming down from Javi, and the wind was so bad that I was never in my aero bars didn't drink any water the entire time wow and i had one gust in particular <laughs> that got me from white line all the way to the other white line
2: goodness oh!
0: gracious yeah, like
1: you're you're counter steering it's crazy and like there was nobody there so it was fine but it's it can be you bring gnarly. up an
0: interesting point right there though that you didn't just grip onto the bike and fight it super hard but and we were talking about this earlier yeah you almost sail the winds right like when the wind hits you it's not as if you you don't just try to hold your line specifically you allow yourself to move laterally. yeah and you almost like
1: shoulder into it too like if yeah. i've got a if i've got a wind off my right shoulder i'm going to kind of let it take lean me bit, and then yeah. i'm going to lean into it and uh, like i said i sometimes i uh, annoy you know cars if it's an open course or officials because i'm taking up more than probably allotted space but um, you get a lot of speed that way for sure
2: yeah. how are the pros in the aero bars like because you know the triathletes get in the age group i know they're oh, not as did, good. Yeah, but yeah, what yeah. about the pro level? Is everyone really good handler, or Wait, are is you it...
1: disrespecting triathlete?
2: Really? <laughs> sure. I am made to triathlete, every... and you know what? This, no, I'm this is kidding already...
1: because I, w- no. I do constantly. I am so bad
2: at bike handling. I have this on the podcast. I have this evolution of trying to be a better bike handler. Yeah. These guys are great. Jonathan's really really good. But yeah,
1: that's funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the the pros are always in their bars, and I think if it's a really re- windy day, you will you see it because you have to commit. I mean, there's times where I've raced out here where I've let the wind take me. And I'm like, a part of me is terrified because <laughs> yeah, yeah. if, if I do, if, if I don't do a good job, I'm going to fall going pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, uh, you know, there's some separation, but I think most of the time everybody's going to be in their bars. And I think, you know, in the amateurs it's, it's varying. And again, everybody has a different skill level, but in general now too, it has changed. I think since my, my brother uh, was so effective off the front is everybody's super super aerodynamic uh-huh. yeah. um, he was always that way and I think that's part of what kind of separated him but um, so I think you see some kind of crazy positions that might you know works well on paper works well in the wind tunnel works well on nice courses that don't have a bunch of wind but you know, if you're doing the, um, you know, praying mantis and you don't have good elbows control, together,
0: like, you know, yeah. you're not
1: going to be able to buck back at the wind if it, if it hits you. Right. So I that think it definitely affects, which no means in a
3: situation like that, you're forced to ride sitting up,
1: you're forced to ride sitting up or you're just tentative with the power that yeah. you're putting down on the pedal. Right. For That's sure. That's a good point. Yeah.
2: I just have a couple more questions cool. back to food. Yeah. <laughs> when you're on a bike course, somebody three or an Ironman, what are you eating or are you eating? Or is it all liquid?
1: Yeah, I mean, I uh, I try to eat three to four hundred calories an hour. Um, so I do um, a little bit in a hydration uh, formula, and I'll do a little bit uh, of water. Uh, but then I'll get I get most of mine in solids. So I will use piggy bars, uh, and I'll use uh, they're super good by the way. Yeah, they're. super good. I had two this morning. Today. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had two it, this yeah, morning. They're really good. Uh, and I'll do some uh, blocks or a chew of some yeah. some sort. Um, but for me, I find that solids do a little bit better um Olympic distance or duathlon that sort of thing i'll I'll maybe do a gel just to uh, get it through the system a little bit easier but um, yeah, I'm taking a bunch, and on this course it's it's nutrition, it's hydration, and I've sat down with all my clients this week and been like man it's it's all that, but this race is gnarly and yeah. it's survival, mm-hmm. and it you have to be smart about cooling I mean cooling is a big big deal, and I think I think a lot of coaches kind of miss the boat on just thinking that hydration is taking care of the cooling and it's just not, it's right? not. Chad um,
3: actually broke down today. Yeah. I, I didn't Did break you down. I was, I was on the verge of breaking down. I was yeah. starting to shiver. We were like oh, really? just a couple miles from the hotel. It was hot. So my time was just right. Yeah. But yeah. It, another couple of miles and uh, I would have been in a bad yeah, it gets place. Gnarly. I mean, yeah.
1: I think you have to like the, the races that I've done honey here have been on the podium. It's in the, end of May and I'm coming from Bend where I'm training either indoors or it's mm-hmm. 50 degrees outside. So I have like a sauna protocol going in and then all I have ice on me the whole run um, I have a little system where I always have ice on me.
0: Do you put those in nylons or like
1: how do you how do you handle the it's ice? It's a little bit. It's a secret. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. Yeah. Did um, no, you use do, a sauna? You said. Yeah, I do use a sauna. I do a ten day protocol mm-hmm. generally so before. dry before sauna right or. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I've tried the uh, me and my roommate have tried the uh, like the, the steam room or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. call yeah. it the flu the flu closet. <laughs> the closet. <laughs> yeah. it, like it wrecks
2: you. Can you share your protocol or is that a secret? Uh,
1: the sauna deal. Yeah, it's yeah. not mine, but uh, it's. 30 minutes after hard exercise. That's exactly what and, we, uh, we mess with. Yeah, yeah, and try not... I don't do any fluids while I'm in, in the sauna, yeah. and then just try to... rehydration s- on top of it. Slowly rehydrate um, on the way back in. I, ch- I generally just do it after swims, so it might be less intense than some people do it. Um, but you're just wound because up it's
2: metabolically, it's, and your body's Oh, for sure,
1: high. yeah. And it, I mean, it's it's a logistical thing there's a sauna or it's, yeah sure. it's at the pool so it's easy yeah. to do but
2: we might get one in our office oh really just because yeah we uh, train at the office indoors and i've got one in my basement and i did exactly that oh, thing really? heading yeah. into what was
3: going to be a hot race turned yeah. out not to be a hot race um oh you but still get fact, a boost oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely an aerobic sure. boost yeah, yeah
1: yep. absolutely um, so I think that's important, but I do think whatever it is, I think there's always people out, out on the course that people will laugh at. Like, yeah. uh, Torborn Simbali did a, an article about, uh, cooling and how important that was. He was probably my height and maybe 185 pounds and podiumed at this race, which as a cyclist, which is wow. a phenomenal performance. He was the first guy to do like the, the white arm sleeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had he, on the run, he did a full long sleeve, uh, white, like loose shirt and a safari hat. And he ran at a pace that he knew cause he had in training, cause he had always come off the bike first with yeah. my brother blown up to a certain extent and ended up getting kind of throttled at the end. So he did in training did swallowable thermometers and found that. remember that. Yeah. He wow. found that he could run if he kept it under 645 or 650 pace he wouldn't, his body wouldn't get to the point where it overheated. But if he went over that pace, he had like 40 minutes before it was like catastrophic. Right. Wow. So one year he, he came off the bike just in front of my brother and I was out on a mountain bike cheering those guys on and good man. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) as, as, as he, Right after my brother passed him, he's like, Matt, you tell your brother he must pace himself. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever, dude. like he loses, you know? And Chris had gotten a battle with Macca, ended up sixth. He totally blew up at like 13 miles. And Torborn is just running 645, 645, 645. And halfway through that race, Tim DeBoom had pulled back four and a half minutes in half marathon. And Torborn came out of a porta a potty like 45 seconds in front of him at that point. And all of Tim's buddies were like, dude, you got him. The guy's cracked. I'm like, dude, he's awesome, man. He just went to the bathroom. He looks fine. He's totally good. <laughs> yeah. And by the time they came in the energy lab, which is just under six miles to go, he still had the 45 seconds. Wow. And it was 10K to go. So Torborn put the gas on, ended up with four minutes on Tim because Tim was just slowly Jeez, dying. Man. and wow. Just perfect, right? So I find it you've it you have to put a lot of attention, whether it's the safari hat. Whether it's uh, you know ice or whatever it is, when it's when it's this hot, you have to find something that even if it's just mental, you think <laughs> you're you're getting cooler at any point. Like, so I. You know, there's there's wind on this course, and if, when it's behind you, it's brutal running. It's absolutely yeah, because
0: we talked about that today. Tailwind, yeah. you think it's great, and it is no. great in one respect, but it, yeah. you
1: lose all your cooling. Here, it's not great in any respect. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's evaporative cooling. So yeah, we've
3: talked about this before. That's how you your body gets yeah. Cooler. But the temperature of the wind isn't even. It just didn't feel good.
1: Yeah, uh, I no, couldn't get cool. So I feel like if you're doing a job of trying to keep yourself cool to any extent. I like the energy lab is the spot here where you get a tailwind coming up. That's why energy lab is so hard because there's a tailwind on the way up and it's a hot zone. But I know that I'm trying I tell my clients, you're trying to keep a little bit cooler the whole time. When I get to the top of energy lab and turn right, I've now got a breeze off my right and so I feel I feel that and it almost feels mm. cool where if you're riding that red line of overheating the whole time oh. that's not going to feel cool in yeah, any, no. any circumstance no. right so I think that's important But
0: so I have three quick questions yeah. first of all with the hydration side or sorry with the cooling side of things yeah. one thing that a lot of people don't um, uh, so, so a lot of the time you, you hear like different bottles that you get, Yeah. there's a bottle of mix and then there's like a bottle of water, right? right. And that's really common. Like what a lot of people get, but I see a lot of people, especially in the mountain bike world, they just have a, they don't have a bottle of mix and water. They have a bottle that they drink and a bottle that they pour.
1: Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Are there specific spots that, that you try to cool off when you're on the bike? Uh, Over the head, or is it on your legs, or lower back, or anything? Uh, like for that? sure.
1: I mean, I think I'll do like kind of the um, up by the neck on the back, upper back. Um, if I will generally have a helmet where I can get water onto the head mm. um, or onto the neck. If I have a helmet that it can't get to the head, that's just it feels it just feels too hot. Right. Um, that you know sometimes uh, on the arms. If it's super hot, I'll put it on the arms. But generally, I'm just just pouring water and you go through the aid station. I'll grab one that's water one that's mixed put it in the you know in the holder and then i'll have one that's you know dedicated for just cooling myself off into the next aid station awesome yeah uh
0: next one uh you mentioned your roommate is your yeah. roommate still carl decker it is it is, okay. it is. carl yeah. decker for those that don't know he's like a legend in the
1: mountain bike world um he's a legend in his own mind yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in our house he is yeah. your house is pretty carl awesome my house is pretty cool yeah, yeah
0: i've seen the i've yeah. seen the the behind the scenes there yeah um i raced with well i raced at the same time as carl last week and he destroyed me um yeah, uh, what have you learned from carl that's helped you on the bike because he's a he's a mountain bike rider cross rider um everything from cross country to gnarly stuff
1: yeah so. yeah totally um yeah carl's helped me out a little bit and just uh forcing me to uh go on you know some rides that maybe i, I wouldn't go on and carl's all my guy all my buddies in bend are like pro mountain bikers right <laughs> yeah, so whenever yeah. i like i do xterra and i do do fine in xterra and i feel like i'm a decent mountain biker But I get my ass kicked by all these guys because they're like really really good mountain bikers. They're like
0: men's men. Like like Carl's the type of dude that can run a mustache and he runs it well. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. He's a gnarly guy. Yeah we don't prefer
1: it when he gets the mustache. Yeah yeah (laughs) Um, yeah. yeah, he he makes me feel like less of a man on a daily basis. But, um, Yeah I mean probably uh, you know a fair amount on like he got me into doing some like some gnarly gravel grinding stuff this year. We did Lost and Found and like showed me cool race right by us. Dude super super cool super fun. So just like technical stuff on like in gnarly descents on on loose like baby head gravel not to be riding on on my hoods because if my hand comes off i'm gonna die right right so riding my drops and stuff like just simple stuff like that and like just cornering stuff and descending down that guy's under underrated for there's nobody i've ever ridden with that can ride down a road mountain better than that dude so he's helped me a lot with just riding behind him Um, you know, taking proper line outside, inside and apex and that sort of thing. He's genius at line choice and carrying momentum. Totally. amazing, super smooth. And I, so I ride with some other guys that are maybe better technically in some, some aspects, but if something goes wrong, it goes wrong pretty catastrophically where Carl, you know, kind of takes the path of least resistance and is is really smooth with his riding. And more than anything, I just have uh, a riding buddy that gets me out the door. So. Yeah, makes sense.
3: That's yeah, good.
0: Last question. Uh, so we're we're racing cross this year. It's our first year racing cross, oh, good and for that. all of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's
3: proven interesting. It's fun, yeah. And
0: uh, <laughs> have you ever done it? Yep. first of all you have okay um my you- first
1: race i got to uh, you know i try to i, I I'm, I'm kind of like shy guy and I, I i don't want to be a sandbagger so i raced right. like a pro field at a race in bend and buddies uh there were Tribone and wicks and like they made me line up like in between them right so it was,
2: like <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. kind of embarrassing And like
1: my only goal was to not get lapped and yeah. like it was snow Like it was pretty gnarly for first cross rates oh, snow man. covered Frozen grass. Wow. And like the last lap, I'm like laying in a pile in frozen grass as like both <laughs> the guys pass me and uh, they're just, you know, the pointing the finger. The laughing, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah.
0: Uh, <laughs> do you notice that helps you in transition at all? So I mean, I so whereas the pros are they're good in transition, they're fine with that. I'm sure. I'm, Yeah. I, I, maybe there are some guys that everybody knows aren't quite as good, but yeah. with a lot of people listening, they aren't pros. Yeah. And transition might frighten them. The thought of getting off the bike, they might lose a lot of time and momentum and, and energy when they're getting yeah. off the bike and getting yeah. back on. Is there anything that you've taken from that, or how do you from practice cross? That?
1: Yeah, I don't know if cross really has too much uh, crossover as far as that goes. Um, you know, it's it, it's it cross hard for me because it's like it's it's like the who can get in and out of their pedals the quickest contest, yeah. which yeah. is yeah. is uh, is kind of frustrating at times. But, yeah, uh, looking forward to doing more of that after triathlon racing because the the timing is. Is bad. A cross season comes at the end of my season. Usually it's world champs time. Yeah. And my injuries I always get are like lower leg injuries. And the last thing I need to do is like jump off my bike at 20 miles an hour. But I mean, I think practicing transition runs for triathlon is super important. And just having that once a week. And even if it's a, a five minute or a 10 minute, I, I don't believe in the like, Go tire yourself out for two hours or five hours on a bike ride, and then ride run ninety minutes off. There's no totally reason. Agree. There's no adaptation oh, right. uh, whatsoever that happens except tiring yourself out. But getting used to doing that um, and and running directly off, I think, is super important for sure. I, awesome.
2: sorry, I lied. I have one more question, then we'll stop it. <laughs> We're gonna catch bikes tomorrow, and I think yes. we might we volunteered. Okay, good. We might cool. be there for the pros. Yeah. What How, should we do? What should we do? Like, like, what, and not, not even like, we're, we're going to catch the bike. We've and there's all these people who do it wrong. <laughs> don't I mess know, it up. I know. I, I'm. Oh, somebody, so
1: what are they doing wrong?
2: Well, so one, um, either one guy tried to take the bike away from someone before they were prepared, uh, before they were off the bike. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> and somebody else. <laughs> okay, so like, write that do one that. down. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone else was, um, they weren't far enough forward. I think it was, I forget who the triathlete was, but they just jumped off and kind of threw their bike like three and four meters yeah. before anyone was there. Okay. So what do what you like, should we like, kind of be at the front of the zone and kind of run with them as they come in.
1: Ooh, there could be some of that and it, it'll probably end up to whoever like is in charge of that area is going to be like you guys think you're doing something special like this is how we do it. Right? Okay. They're yeah. Tell yeah. You, they're don't tell, you tell, tell you us to how. how. Yeah, but I think,
0: or at least you can blame somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Cool, but, yeah.
1: uh, but first one, don't like take the athlete off their bike.
3: Don't touch the bike until they're on the ground
1: no, not turn it off. And here's the other thing is realize, and this was hard for me, it's kind of embarrassing to say on a, a cycling podcast, but for some reason, a lot of triathletes Learning don't know if it's the, like, the way the transitions are set up, but like I'm used to dismounting drive-side.
0: And which, it makes, is, which is rare.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, in, in cross, it doesn't make any sense, obviously. Yeah. Right. But, but I for think- some reason, that's what I... So expect people well, to be on the I'll, wrong side of the I bike. I
2: never... I've actually been thinking in my head. I'm That's like, good okay, information. I'm line up on the right side, and there'll be
1: some, but I think there'll be a lot. Like that, just you wouldn't, you wouldn't think uh, about I, it. I don't, yeah. And yeah. don't
2: feel bad
0: about that, Matt. I think Wolf Air. Er, yeah, you. yeah, Wolf <laughs> Nair, er, I think he's like one of the best. He is the world champ right now. I think that he. Um, first started getting off on drive side, and he's like, oh, really? and he's like an anomaly because he'll be able to get off on either side now. Oh like, right, but yeah, 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 that's
1: cool. So okay. uh, that's that's gonna be a strength when I move over to cycle. Golf. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, <but>
0: you <laughs> so and Van you're gonna be a we'll, world yeah, champ. Yeah, yeah that's that'll awesome. be good. Well, cool. Thanks, man, Matt. We appreciate it. Yeah, no um, worries. I hope that we didn't overtrain you your voice going into the. I know. I got
1: yeah. Oh, I got yeah. to rest up. Right? Hopefully, this
0: is just a quick one. So yeah. we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you all next time. Sweet.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.